Hi, welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy you're joining us on our journey through the book of Matthew. Join us today as we talk through the way Jesus instructed us to live the good life. Today we're starting a brand new series called The Good Life and you're invited to join in as we travel through the Sermon on the Mount. We have these cards available in person and digitally if you'd like to invite someone to join us for this series. We'll be traveling over the next couple of months through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous and radical teaching in the Bible and we think that this will be life-changing for you. As always, if this is an encouragement to you, you can share the link to this on your, on your profile. Even now, that would be a big help to us at Branch Life Church. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for being a part of worshiping with us through this online portal. We have officially opened our worship center. You're invited to join us in person in, on Sunday mornings, and if you'd like to do that, go to our website to find out how you can plan your experience. We'd love to hear from you, so if you would take a moment before you log off to fill out your connection card, no matter if you're watching the premiere or at any point in the future, let us know that you worship with us today and say hi on those connection cards. We would love to hear from you. And lastly, thank you to everyone who gives regularly to Branch Life Church. God is using your gifts to do amazing things, and you can do that anytime at branchlife.church give. We hope that this morning's uh, teaching will be an encouragement to you as we together grow deeper in our relationship with God so that we can reach our world. Thanks again for joining us today. Let's worship God together. Hey, if you have your Bibles, run to Matthew chapter 5. We are talking about the good life. And we're going to talk about and through one of Jesus' most famous teachings, the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. And where we're going to start is where Jesus starts. So I have a question for you. Who wants to be happy? Right? Who wants to be happy? I mean, everybody wants to be happy. I hear parent after parent after parent saying for their kids, all I want for them is to be happy. I want them to find a spouse. I want them to find someone to marry so that they can be happy. I hope they get a job that makes them happy. There's a lot of us that are pursuing happiness in our lives. And God came, Jesus sent his son so that we could have life and life more abundant. We believe, and what Jesus is about to teach, is that happiness is possible through Jesus, but only through Jesus. You see, Jesus is going to start his teaching by talking about the topic of happiness. In this section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his opening thoughts, the first thing that we hear him teach us, he talks about the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are full of this idea of happiness. So today, we're going to learn how to be happy, we're going to learn who can be happy, and we're going to see happiness in the Beatitudes. Here is how it all starts in Matthew chapter 5, seeing the crowds. Now remember, Jesus had just done a ton of miracles. He was healing people, and he was making the blind to see, and so crowds were starting to form, and there was such a huge crowd that Jesus went up onto a mountain... And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. 
So he began speaking from the top of a mountain where the crowds had began sitting down so they could hear him. It was kind of like an atrium effect. His voice would be able to carry. A lot like Moses in the Old Testament, he was on top of the mountain. He was teaching this new teaching that these crowds would find crazy. But wherever you are in your spiritual journey, this is something you should look into. And if you're going to learn about Jesus' teaching for the first time, you're going to find some of this uh, absolutely upside-down thinking. It, Jesus is going to flip every, every kind of rational thought and things that have been taught on their head. This is radical stuff that Jesus presented to us. If you've seen Jesus' Sermon on the Mount before, if you've been a Christian for a long time, we, as we walk through this, be reminded about the high bar, about the standard that t Jesus lays down himself. And hopefully you will see a new and a fresh things that spark your spiritual fire, that get you excited about living life and living life God's way. This is how Jesus begins his teaching ministry. And we listen to Jesus for one very important reason. Jesus is different than any other prophet or any other teacher. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just some uh, writer or author that's got good advice for us. He's not going to just give us good morals. You see, Matthew has taken the first four chapters to reintroduce us to Jesus. And he's taught us that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, one with God. And so what Jesus has to say is words of God. Jesus is bringing us the truth. And now that he's done these miracles, everyone's ready to hear Jesus. Are you ready to hear Jesus? If Jesus speaks to you through this series, through this teaching this morning, are you ready to receive it? Receive it as God's word to you? Many people want to hear from Jesus. They want to hear his voice. They want to hear his direction. They want to know that he's leading them. In this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is leading you. He's leading you to a radical, upside-down, unbelievable, even crazy at times life. But this life is where true blessing and happiness can be found. You see, Jesus starts his most famous sermon, his first block of teaching, with the word blessed. In this, in this word, Jesus is wrapping up kind of the depth of happiness. It's more than just receiving favor, and it's more than just a feeling of delight. He's talking about happiness combined with contentment, combined with joy, combined with pleasure. He's putting all of those things together, and he's wrapping it in this word blessed. Blessed means happiness that's given by God. God's blessing comes to those. Jesus starts his sermon with the word blessed. So today we're going to look at blessed and what it means to be blessed, how to be happy in Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 12. And so what I want to do is just read that together. So if you have your Bibles or you just want to listen as I read, here's what Jesus says in the beginning of his most famous sermon. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 2, he says, He opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God, help us to understand these incredible words, these beatitudes, as you launch into this incredible teaching moment. Help us to hear Jesus' words and understand them and help it to change our lives today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So we've looked at the Beatitudes, and here's what Jesus starts off with, with the word blessed. He starts off with this idea that true happiness is received, not achieved. True happiness is received, not achieved. So many of us are trying to go and be happy. We're trying to find a spouse to make us happy or have a job to make us happy. We're trying to be entertained. We're trying to get to that moment in our life or that season in our life where we can feel happiness. But happiness is not something that we achieve. It's not something that our hands can accomplish. You see, Jesus redefines happiness. He gives us the secret to true happiness in these Beatitudes. And he says happiness is received. True happiness is a gift that's given to us by God. God is the only one that can give us happiness. Now, what this means is apart from God, we can't be truly happy. We can't have that true fulfillment, that true contentment, that true peace that comes, that, that all put together means happiness and means blessed. Happiness, Jesus said, is received, not achieved. So, who receives happiness? Jesus starts by redefining happiness and then tells us who can be truly happy. And here's what we're going to see in these incredible Beatitudes. We'll unpack them here this morning and maybe offer some live videos throughout the week to go more in depth. But here is the three people or the three categories of those who can be truly happy. Number one, those who depend on God. And that's Matthew 3 through 6. Those who live for God and those who are persecuted. Now, if you don't believe in God, if you're saying, I don't, I don't believe in God, I don't know if I believe in God, I want you to stick around today because we're going to talk about how depending and, on God and living for God does bring true happiness. And, and for those of you that are walking with God, you understand that it's going to have a cost. Christianity and being saved and following Jesus is not a fluffy life. It's not a comfortable life. It is a life of sacrifice that Jesus calls to. But even in the sacrifice, we can be blessed and we can have true happiness. And we're going to see we have that here and now in the middle of the storm and in eternity. True happiness and true fulfillment. So let's dive in to these verses today. First, we're going to see that those who depend on God are blessed. They're truly happy. God blesses those. And in, in our passage, we read these first few Beatitudes, if you have it, is in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 2. First he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus starts off talking about the kingdom of heaven. Remember, he's the king. That's good news. You don't have to be the one that's in control. You're not a good king anyway. So turn in your crown, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Who gets the kingdom? The poor in spirit get the kingdom. And here's what it means to be poor in spirit. It simply means spiritually bankrupt. Now, how do we know that? 
In Isaiah chapter 61, if you have your Bibles, you can run there and you can check it out or you can look at it after this study. But in Isaiah, in chapter 61, starting in verse 1 and going for, uh, through verse 3, we have what's called a, a parallel passage. Jesus was referring to this teaching. Now, everybody on that mountainside would have known this. They would have recognized this teaching. They studied this stuff for their entire lives. And in Isaiah chapter 61, in verses 1, 2, and 3, and including some of the Psalms, we have parallel passages through all of these Beatitudes. Here's what Isaiah 61, verse 1 says. It says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon me, because the Lord had anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. Isaiah 61, verse 1, talks about the poor. Talking about the poor in spirit. Why would the poor need good news? It's not as much about money as it is about your spiritual state. Isaiah chapter uh, 61, going on to verse 2, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, those who mourn, to proclaim liberty to the captives, again, the mourning, and opening the prisons of those who are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all of those who mourn. To grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, and oil of gladness instead of mourning, talking about happiness and blessing. The garment of praise instead of faint spirit, and that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And again, you see thirsting after righteousness as the fourth beatitude. This parallel passage gives us some incredible meaning into what these beatitudes stand for and why Jesus is starting off. He says, first, the poor in spirit will receive the kingdom of God. That's you and I being totally spiritually bankrupt. When we are poor in spirit, we realize that we have nothing to give. We have nothing to offer. There's no amount of money that we can put forward to buy favor with God. There is nothing that you can say or do to make God love you more or less. You are spiritually bankrupt. And only those that realize that there's nothing, that they're totally depraved, that there's no value inside of us and of ourselves, only then are we able to receive the kingdom of God. We're able to say, God, you are our king. I cannot offer you anything. I can just simply open my hands and say, I am empty. God, will you fill me? When you come to that moment of being poor in spirit, then you receive the kingdom of God. That's the first step in salvation is realizing that you're a sinner. The second beatitude in, in, uh, in Jesus' sermon says, Blessed are those who mourn, for those sh they shall be comforted. Mourning is grieving over sin and death. This idea of mourning isn't just the one dealing with death and death alone. As we see in Isaiah 61, the mourning is that of spiritual emptiness or brokenness. They mourn because of sin. They mourn because of their, their recognition of how awful and bad their sins are. A lot of people don't like to hear the news of the gospel because we don't like to be told we're sinners. We don't like to think of ourselves as dirty or as, as doing things wrong, yet we all know that we are. When we honestly look at ourselves in the mirror, we realize our brokenness. We realize our mistakes. We realize our sins. We realize how we've hurt other people. And we even at times think, how could God even love me? In those moments, we begin to mourn our sin. And that's who God blesses. 
God blesses those who mourn over sin. And of course, sin leads to death. And death causes grief. And so we mourn both sin and death. God, I am sorry for my sin. When's the last time you were broken over your sin? When's the last time you shed a tear because of your sin, your action, your words that hurt someone that you love? When you stole from someone else and you took something that belonged to them? When you cheated God? When you, when you thought about something or someone in a way that was completely derogatory? When you lost your temper and caused physical pain? Did you ever come to a moment where you mourned that sin? Where you were broken over that sin? Tim Keller famously, as he interviews people to work in his church and on his church staff, asks them, when's the last time they cried over their sin? And if they say, I can't remember, the interview's over. Why? Because we should regularly mourn our sin. It was our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was our sin that his body was broken for. And we mourn our sin. Every time we come to the communion table, you have an opportunity to confess your sins, to examine yourself, to ask the Holy Spirit to examine you, and to mourn your sin. We mourn, and God says we will be comforted. If you confess your sin, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, you will be comforted. There is victory over sin and death, and it's found in Jesus. So blessed by God are those who mourn. Blessed by God are those who are meek. And meekness is not weakness. Meekness is a humility and a gentleness and a patientness that, that serves others. Meekness says, I am humble and I need help. I don't have all the answers. I am ready to hand myself over to someone else who does. Meekness recognizes our position before God. And so the Beatitude says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Then you're in a posture to receive, not to take, not to grasp, not because you're entitled, but because you have the grace of God flowing over you. And then blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hunger and thirst is something that happens to you every day. Every day you hunger. Every moment you thirst. And when we daily thirst after righteousness, God says those, those people are blessed because you will be satisfied. Righteousness can be found. You can live a life that's pleasing to God. Yet in our quote, we think of righteousness this way. No one ever can truly attain righteousness like you can work hard enough to be a righteous person. It's not possible. Yet we can strive with all our strength to obey God. Jesus gives us the righteousness that allows us to do good things. Faith without works is dead. But when I have faith in God and I hunger and thirst after righteousness, I now can do things that are pleasing to God. And I can be covered in the righteousness of God. Jesus died in our place so that we could have his righteousness. So that's the first category of people who are happy. Those who depend on God. There's a song that's been written, that has been, been popular over the last five or six years called Come to the Altar. And Come to the Altar takes these Beatitudes, whether they intended to or not, to tell us about what it means to be poor in spirit, to be mourned, to meek, and to thirst after righteousness. And it says, are you hurting 
and broken within, poor in spirit, completely broken. I have nothing to offer. Have, are you overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, grieving, sin and death? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself, humble, gentle? Do you thirst for a drink from the well, righteousness? Jesus is calling. If you're, if you're any of these things, then you are ready to receive Jesus and ready to walk in his power. The second group that is able to access true happiness are those who live for God. First, we depend on God, and then we live for God. And the Beatitudes go on with, uh, with these incredible instructions. It says, first of all, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Merciful people forgive and help those in need. Merciful people reach out to help other people even if they don't deserve it. Even if they have caused their own needs to come into place. Merciful people don't, don't just say, hey, you deserve what you're getting and therefore you get it. They say, I know you don't deserve this help, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. That's mercy. Giving people something they don't deserve. And why should we be merciful? Well, when we live for God, we realize that we have been given mercy. We, we have nothing, yet God saved us, yet God regenerated us, yet God poured his grace on us so that we can now have mercy on other people. Just this week, there was a robber who, who robbed a local restaurant. He went in there and he grabbed the cash register and he was trying to leave with it and he realized there was no cash in the restaurant, so he threw that register down and he left. The restaurant owner saw everything on a security camera and he came in and here's what he put out to the news. He said, I'm, I have a job offer for the gentleman who tried to rob me last night. I want to give you a job offer. This is not a trick. This is not a manipulation. I will not call the police. I will not press charges. I want to give you a job because you need money. You need money so badly that you broke into my restaurant last night and you tried to take it. I want to give it to you. I want to give you a job. Why would anybody have that kind of mercy? That thief did not deserve that job. That thief deserved jail. Yet that restaurant owner said, I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you something you can't deserve. And I want to help you. And I want to, I want to bless you. Even though you tried to hurt me. That's us. That's us when we realize that was us against God. We hurt God. We caused God pain. We were trying to solve our needs in ways that we shouldn't solve them. Yet God said, I want to give you life and I want to adopt you into the family. When we receive mercy, we then give mercy. And true happiness, true blessing comes to those who have received mercy and know to give it to other people. Is there someone in your life that you're not forgiving today? Is there someone that you're mad at? Is there someone that you're upset with? Is there someone that you've put on a blacklist and you're not talking to? Today, forgive that person. You need to let that go. You need to cover them with grace. And I would even go radically farther. And the, and the Sermon on the Mount will say, you need to shower them with undeserved gifts, even though they don't deserve it. That's why Jesus' teaching are so crazy and so upside down. Everyone's going, what? How does this work? Then he goes on and he says, those who live for God, the pure in heart are blessed. The Bible says in verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is where the whole body comes into play. 
If you are ready to be happy, it means giving your entire self wholly to God. Not saying with your lips, I believe in God, and then with your actions, acting like you don't. Not giving God just Sunday, but giving God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Serving God with your career, serving God with your words, serving God with your family. Everything is about serving God. That's someone who's pure in heart. All my mind, all my body, all my soul, all my strength, all my heart, all in for God. That person sees God. That's the person that walks in the presence of God. So God says they are blessed. And then finally, he says that those who live for God make peace. The peacemaker, verse 9, blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called the sons of God. And peacemakers are all about healing division. Peacemakers believe we are better together. God is looking for peacemakers in his church. There are so many of us that, that are, are working hard in our churches, and yet we divide amongst each other. Family infighting and, and bad-mouthing, and, and we're going to see in a moment persecuting one another. But God is calling us to be peacemakers in our church, and he's also calling us to be peacemakers with our church and the world. Our church shouldn't be tearing ourselves apart or tearing into people around our world. Shouldn't be uh, causing division within our community. We should be repairing it. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And so peacemakers, peacemakers heal division. And peacemakers know and believe that we're better together. That's why this has become a value for our church. Because we believe that God blesses the peacemaker. That God blesses those who strive to unify with other people. Uh, as we continue on reading these passages, we see a third category for those who are blessed by God, and that's those who are persecuted. You see, we, as followers of Jesus, will be persecuted. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, bringing into the kingdom of heaven. When you do righteous and receive persecution, don't worry, you will receive the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So there's two kinds of per persecution that we see. First, there's physical persecution. There's oppression, there's putting into slavery, there's, there's being uh, treated unfairly. And I would say, I would venture a guess that most of us listening today in America in 2021 do not understand this kind of persecution. We have religious freedoms. At the most, we might understand what it means to be spoken of poorly or to be made fun of. But we don't regularly receive persecution. It is not much of a sacrifice for us to be Christians, for us to stand for God in this country and in this world in this time. But we are the exception to the rule. And not to say that persecution is not coming. Persecution is guaranteed if you walk righteously in this world. It's guaranteed it will happen. Jesus himself is an example. But there are Christians around the world today that are facing intense, life-threatening persecution because they follow God. Those people standing on the mountain listening to Jesus talk, if they would decide to follow Jesus, Jesus was promising to them that they would be persecuted. 
Every single one of the 12 apostles listening to Jesus would die. They would die. They would die following Jesus. They would die proclaiming Jesus. They would die preaching Jesus. They would be persecuted. Many of those standing on the mountain who decided to follow Jesus would give their lives for him. In this country and in this world, there are persecuted Christians in, in the Middle East, in Asian countries, in the Soviet bloc, in Latin America. These saints are persecuted on a regular basis. At Branch Life Church, we have this 2021 global prayer guide. We want to invite you to be praying for these Christians on a regular basis around the world who are receiving persecution. Those of us who are blessed, those of us who are free, those of us who are able to stand with our faith without fear of retribution should be interceding on the behalf of our brothers and sisters who cannot stand publicly and proclaim God. Our, our Christianity is at danger of being cultural. We do it because other people do it. We do it because our families, we've been raised this way. These people's per, uh, Christianity is personal because they are being persecuted for it. It's not fake. It's not convenient. It's not easy. It's a sacrifice that they give. And God says they will be blessed, happy, fulfilled, even in the midst of persecution. The last verse that we look at says this. It says, rejoice and be glad. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, for your reward is great in heaven. For, though they for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. As Jesus wraps up this opening and he says, listen, if you want to really truly be happy, you have to totally depend on me. You have to completely live for me and you have to do it no matter the cost. That's the message of the Beatitudes, and that's the secret to a happy life. That's the secret to true joy and contentment in this world. If we're able to be able to say, God, less of me and more of you, we will be able to build lives that please God. In Matthew chapter 7, in verse 24, Jesus uses this picture to close his sermon. And this illustration allows us to understand what we need to do with this crazy, radical, unbelievable teaching of God. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he talks about the wise man who builds his house on the rock. If you listen to these words of Jesus in this sermon, you will be like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. Yet if you ignore the words of Jesus, you'll be like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Now here's what I want to say. Both build beautiful houses. Anybody can have a life that looks amazing and luxurious. We can build nice things. We can have nice things. We can even do good things. And our houses can look similar. But there's a very big difference between a house that's built on the rock and a house that's built on the sand. You see, the foundation makes all the difference. And true happiness, Jesus says... True blessing comes when your foundation is in Jesus, devoted to God, dependent on God, living for God, no matter the cost. Anything else is sand. If you put your life's foundation in anything else, it's sand. Now, here's the difference between sand and a rock. See, the Bible says that a wise man who builds his house on the rock will then have that foundation for life's moments when the storm comes. You see, the storm is promised. 
We will have difficult times. We will have challenges. We will have persecution. We will have all kinds of grief and pain and hurt and heartache. And that storm will come. But if we're built on the rock, we have the foundation of the rock that holds us through that storm. And we are blessed. And our lives are able to stand. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. Now, the second person is the one that does not listen to God. Is the person that does not take his actions seriously. And maybe today you're here and you're saying, I, I can find happiness somewhere else. I can disobey God. I don't even have to pay attention to Jesus. I don't need to follow the instructions of the Bible. I'm going to do it my way. If that's you, if you're here and God is calling you to salvation, but you're saying, no, thank you. If you're here and you have a choice in front of you, but you know that that choice means displeasing God, then you are someone that God says is building their house on the sand. You see, the sand is a completely different foundation. We can build our lives and we can build pretty good lives, but that storm will come. That moment of agitation will take place. And when that storm comes and that, that wind blows and the water recedes, our foundation will be gone. You see, Jesus is saying, listen to my words so that you can have a truly blessed life. In the end, God wins. In the end, life and life eternal is based on your relationship with God. That's the foundation of everything. So in the Beatitudes, we see some incredibly deep teaching. Number one, the gospel is in the Beatitudes. I am a sinner, poor in spirit, mourning. Jesus died for my sins. I thirst after righteousness. God, please save me because I can't save myself, poor in spirit and meekness. Today, if you have yet to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you in these moments to stop and pause and to pray this prayer. God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me, and I'm asking him to save me. I want to accept the free gift of salvation. We want to invite you into this relationship if you're ready to start building your life on the rock. But also, in this passage, we see some incredible teaching, not only the gospel, but the greatest commandment. Jesus is going to repeat these themes over and over and over again in his teaching. And the Beatitudes start with the, with the encouragement for us to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. That's those of us who depend on God and we have a pure heart. We're all in. And then he says to love your neighbor as yourself to be merciful, to be forgiving, to be a peacemaker, to be a unifier. We see all of this wrapped up in the instructions. God, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. As we finish out our thoughts today, this is happiness in the Beatitudes, to serve God and others no matter the cost. This is radical. This isn't get as much as you can have. This isn't find the right person to make you happy. This isn't the best job in the world or the nicest house or the biggest toys. This is radical instructions by Jesus. He says, serve God, live for God, and serve others no matter the cost. When you do that, true happiness is yours. Let's close with a word of prayer. God. Help us in these moments to understand the teaching of your spirit and to walk 
in the power of your spirit. If there's any that don't know you, God, would they receive you now? And for those of us that are walking with you, would you help us, Lord, to follow you closely? In your precious name we pray. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this has been an encouragement to you. We want to hear from you, so please fill out your connection card. And if this has been an encouragement to you, if you made a decision, if you had a prayer request, you can let us know in that card. Also, if you have any questions about the gospel, you can go to our gospel tab where you can learn more about what it means to become a follower of Jesus. We'd love to celebrate with you if you've decided to follow Jesus. So let us know. Either raise your hand uh, on, your, on your platform or go ahead and fill out this card and indicate it online. We also want to have uh, let you know that there's a free gift available to anyone who's a part of Branch Life. It is our Matthew Journals. We're starting through Matthew and running through it for the rest of this year. Get your hands on this journal, and uh, you can use this as we go through the study. Yours is available to you. If you'd like one, you can let us know on your connection cards. And lastly, we want to invite you to come back next week as we jump into our next section uh, in the Sermon on the Mount as we run through this series called The Good Life. We hope we'll see you then. Have a great rest of your week.